everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast with myself, Jacob Milham, Jeremy Greco, and we do have Greg Walker joining us this evening. But before we get into it, please go check out RoyalsReview.com for the Royals news and analysis you need, especially ahead of the trade deadline. You can also find Royals Review on Twitter or, gosh dang it, on X. It's on X <laughs> and Facebook. Not on Twitter. Twitter is dead, right? It's a, it's a, it's not a tweet. It's a. Zweet. Does anyone? No one. No one calls the Orioles Stadium whatever the heck they renamed it. It's still Camden Yards. No one That's calls fair. Arrowhead. What G E H A? No one calls it G E H A. They still call it Arrowhead. We're gonna call it Twitter. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> Is it though? Is it though, Greg? I mean, no, I, I'm sure. Not. I'm sure you just went crazy when they uh, renamed it, right? Since you're such a big Twitter guy. Yeah, definitely a thing that I totally noticed and was very aware of for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, it's it's Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Like that's not like a no. weird corporate name. That's just like the name of the team. They don't have a bad one. But yeah, to your point, yeah, nobody calls it GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Like everybody calls it Arrowhead. So uh, yeah, I imagine it's going to remain Twitter for a long time. I mean, on my phone, the icon for the app is still the little blue bird. So I mean, yeah, it's still yeah. Twitter. Whatever, it's still the worst app all ever invented. I use I use Twitter a lot on on the desktop, so it always throws me for a loop because the little icon is this black X, but then it still says home dash Twitter. So it's just like, okay, we're we're having an identity crisis. I understand it's 2023. (laughs) Things are a little tough right now, but come on, we need to come on, Elon. We need to get on trying to figure out this identity. Yeah, good luck with that. I know, right? I keep looking for my Twitter tab. I'm like, oh, I need to go write a tweet or I need to go look for a tweet. Where 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 did I put my Twitter tab at? Where where did it go? <laughs> it's oh, gone it's bright X. blue board. Yeah, the bright blue bird is is gone. Long live the black and white X, I guess, which is strange. Hey, speaking of that social media platform, go uh, go follow the podcast on it at Royal Rundown Pod. Um, always just making sure that everyone's up to date on Royal stuff. Um, we're trying to bring together a lot of the different analysis from there's actually a lot of folks writing and talking about the Royals right now. It feels like um, June was fairly quiet, but for some reason ahead of the trade deadline, things are getting a little bit louder and we will be talking about some of the, uh, some of the analysis that we've been hearing around the, uh, the fan sphere, I guess is the word for it. But hey, before we get into that, just a couple of updates on the actual on-field product. Hey, the Royals lost another series today. Woohoo! It is uh yeah. <laughs> yay. Great success. They didn't get swept this time, so I guess that's something. <laughs> it's been over two months since they won a series on the road. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they still have yet to win it. three consecutive games. I'm gonna bring that up until they do, which Good. might not be this season. <laughs> it might not. Could you imagine? And somehow there's, the, the Oakland A's are still behind them, right? Yes. How? How is that possible? I don't know. I really don't, man. It's that the Oakland A's like are know not, they're trying to lose. The Oakland A's aren't the worst team in baseball at hitting with runners in scoring positions. So that plays at least some role. That is true. That is true. But yeah, so the, the Royals dropped the series finale today against the Cleveland Guardians in Cleveland, eight to three. Um, Alec Marsh and John Heasley got roughed up pretty uh, pretty good in that outing. Unfortunately, the Guardians moved to fifty one and fifty one, a cool five hundred. Meanwhile, the Royals are still chasing win number thirty 
they're currently sitting at 29 and 75. So that's uh yeah, never uh never where you want to be, but you know what? I'm done worrying about the stuff in the win and loss column. I'm it's it's going to be what it is. Jonathan Heasley didn't learn from Alec Marsh that you probably shouldn't throw absolute pies to Jose Ramirez when he's in the box. <laughs> Jose Ramirez did Jose Ramirez things today. What he had uh, he had two home runs and it, he just made the Royals look silly. Is that a lesson that you're supposed to have to learn from tonight's starting pitcher? Shouldn't we all know that by now? I would. No hope one so. would think you would know that, but I don't know. I guess Heasley didn't get the message, and for that matter, Marsh didn't either. Like the home run that. Uh, Ramirez hit off of March like that pitch was literally a middle middle fastball like he couldn't throw him anything better to hit that, uh, well, they that did. sounds about right the, the whole raid the zone thing was aim your pitches down the middle and the, the movement <laughs> would take over right Man, the, I guess the movement just didn't take over no. Yeah, I had I had a note in my recap today for because I do the Wednesday games no something something raid the zone because this was like the 11th time the Royals have had eight or more walks as a pitching staff this year. And only the White Sox have done that more often. So, yeah, obviously Raid the Zone hasn't worked at all. No, it, it really hasn't. Golly, I didn't realize it was that much, though. Eight, 11, time, 11 games this season they've done that? Yeah, the White Sox, I think, have done it like 13 or 14 times. It's the only Ooh. team that has walked eight or more batters in a game more often. Goodness, that's atrocious. I don't Man, understand this is, how there's any team that does anything worse than the Royals this year. I, I don't either. At least it gives me comfort to know that the Royals are like at least bottom five in nearly everything. You know what I mean? Like if they're not right. last, they're pretty close. I will they're, say uh, anybody that says like the Royals are the worst organization in baseball, I don't know. I think the Colorado Rockies and their fans would like a word because, man, they're in shambles all the time. The only difference is the Rockies sell out their ballpark all the time because Coors Field is just a lovely place to take in a game. Exactly. And uh, and we will trust me, we'll be talking about the open letter that Sherman sent out regarding um, Kauffman Stadium not being a lovely place to take in a game anymore. Right. That's what he said. No. (laughs) Word for word. Word. (laughs) Direct quote. Um, One more one more news update for all you listeners out there. Uh, Daniel Lynch, the fourth. We have to have to remember to put that on there. Um, so he landed on the 15 day IL with a left shoulder strain. I'm blank on when the, when the date was, um, it's been about, it's been about a week and a half. I want to say, um, he went out on Tuesday to throw a bullpen session. He could not even finish that bullpen session. Matt Cotrero said that he was going to get some more scans and update at some point on Wednesday, but we have, uh, we've not heard the determination for when he is coming back. Um, any Rogers said, quote, it was initially expected that Lynch would miss around two weeks, but that timeline is expected to be extended because of the setback. Um, Jeremy, I'm going to I'm going to put you on the spot here. So you're, uh, you're very welcome. Yes, I do. Just I mean, don't throw me under the bus. No, no, no bus throwing. I, I can't see a reason to throw you under the bus tonight. Maybe to Greg later on. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> So, Jeremy, I, I want to put it to you like this. Daniel Lynch is one of the few pitchers this this season that I've been okay with in the Royals rotation. Sure. He hasn't been he hasn't been shut down all the time, but you know, like, you know what? Out of the 2018 class, he's been been doing pretty good this year, I feel like. Uh, yeah, well, if we're grading on that curve, sure. Yeah, great. Always great on the curve around the Royals. But if if this injury is a little bit more 
series than originally anticipated, or it's just going to require a lengthy ramp up. Should the Royals just look at shutting down Lynch for the season or should they want him back? Does that, does that make sense? I, that's, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. They're not going to have a choice in the matter. Uh, (laughs) My first thought when I heard, uh, you know, strange shoulder. Oh no. Now the, 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 the attempt to rehab failed is thoracic outlet syndrome. Uh, so I, I kind of expect them to announce season ending surgery before too much longer, but, uh, if he can pitch this year, then yeah, he should be pitching. Um, you still need to be evaluating him. He's got at this point a 4.64 ERA, which again, grading on that curve is not bad for what the Royals are doing this year. (laughs) Um, he's not striking anybody out. And so the only way he's going to start striking guys out, if he's going to, is if he's pitching. So if if you can get him back, get him back and and see if you can figure out what's going on and, and, and get him back to where he needs to be. That's true. That's true. Greg, do you have any, uh, any thoughts on it? I hadn't actually realized just how little Daniel Lynch has pitched in the majors this year. I didn't realize he had nine starts. And to your point, Jeremy, he has a lower strikeout rate than Zach Ranke does this year. I mean, that's like how (laughs) few bats he's missing right now. Even before he had like the last two starts when his velo was down, even before that, his velo was still down compared to what he had last year. And so like, I wonder if he's just really been hurt the entire time. And that's why he's just not getting any swings and misses. But I, I don't know. I mean, like, if you can get him back and he's healthy, then sure, you got to keep running him out there. Because I was kind of saying with all these 2018 guys coming into the season, it's go time. It's sink or swim. Like, you guys are, like, about to turn 27 here pretty soon. Like, these guys aren't young anymore. It's, and I know yeah. pitchers can sometimes take a bit longer to develop. Pitchers do tend to peak a little bit later in their careers than hitters do. I get that. At some point, though, there has to be results at a big league level. And d- there just hasn't been really at any point for Daniel Lynch. So, Anybody that wants to keep hanging on with him, I get it. Have at it. I'm quite honestly out on Daniel Lynch. Like I don't think he's going to be good at any point. Hey, that's uh, that, that that's pretty uh, pretty clear cut there from you, Greg. I, I will say that. Yeah, this, is my, this is my take for the day. I don't have that many takes, but there's one. Okay. I mean, at least they still of, have Chris Bubich. Oh, allegedly. <laughs> no, allegedly, don't you mean uh, don't you mean starting savant freaking Ryan Yarborough? Wait, well, uh, let's. <laughs> I mean, Bubich only has, what, two years of team control after this one? I think so, yeah. And he's not going to pitch for how much of next season? Like, they might have Bubich for, like, one more season, one and a half more seasons. It's definitely time to offer him a lifetime contract, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And then after he retires, he can go uh, be slugger, right? Like, that's the the lifetime contract. (laughs) That's how that goes? Sure. All right. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick ad break. Coming up on the other side of this, we'll be talking about Rob Manfred. He is uh, staying as commissioner for a lot longer. Plus, we got to be talking about some other Royals relievers. Go ahead and stay tuned. And we're back here on the Royals rundown. So, Greg, I, I want to get one more take out of you before we before it gets too late in the show here. Oh, boy. Um, the MLB announced that they extended Commissioner Rob Manfred's contract as that position through January 25th, 2029. Uh, they, they announced that move on Wednesday morning. And you know what? It's Rob Manfred might be the least liked commissioner out of like the four major professional sports. 
So, Greg, you uh, you cover a little bit more on the college and just baseball in general. I want to get your thoughts. Like, what do you think of Rob Manfred as a commissioner over MLB? I mean, worst commissioner in sports. I don't know. Roger Goodell might like a word with you, but Ooh, Rob Manfred is dang. very good. He is very good at his job which his job is to help the owners make a ton of money and take all the heat for them publicly. And he's doing exactly that. Like the fans hate him, but 95% of baseball fans, I would bet can't name the owner of their team. And most, like, I don't think anybody really outside of those of us that are really down and dirty with it can name like all 30 of the owners in the way that can no, name just all 30 no. of the teams at least. And that's exactly the point. Like you're not supposed to know who the owner is. You're not supposed to know who the guy behind all that is. Rob Manfred is supposed to be effectively the punching bag for them. And he's done a very good job of that. He has taken so many bullets for the owners over the past, the entire time that he's been, I guess, ruling over MLB. I'll just say that, <laughs> which I believe, I believe it was 2015 that he uh, took the position. And so yeah. the past eight years now, he has helped owners exponentially grow their uh, team values and how much they're pulling in with them all the while shielding them effectively from basically any criticism. And so, yeah, he's doing great at his job. Is it good for the sport? No, probably not. But it doesn't matter what's good for the sport. That's not his concern. That's not his job. Yeah, that's a good point. Jeremy, I, I didn't even realize this, but I forgot that Manfred like blamed the Oakland community and the city of Oakland for the A's moving. Do, do you remember that? Like, I do. <laughs> that, was, that was like a month ago. Yeah, he one of the things in this world that I hate the most is when people look me straight in the eye and tell me a bald or bold, depending on who you are, face to lie. <laughs> and and that's what he does. Uh, and I hate it. I really, really hate it. At least like come up with a good lie if you're going to be bothered to do this. Uh, just just because this thought popped into my head as Greg was describing his job. Uh, Rob Manfred is essentially a rodeo clown uh, for the MLB owners. He goes out there and, uh, and makes a lot of noise and does a bunch of dumb stuff to get all the bulls to look at him, all the angry bulls. And, and, and I, Greg's right. He's doing his job what they want to, they want, the way they want him to do it, that's why they extended him. And and that's the whole problem is that he works for the owners, not for the sport, not for the fans. So, mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, that's what all the fans need to remember is he's not here to, uh, to make the fans happy. He's not here to protect the dignity of, of baseball. I mean, I think it was a few years ago he called the, the World Series trophy just a piece of metal or something like that, and that – ruffled a whole lot of feathers rightfully so so hey he is what he is supposed to be doing he's doing not just a good job at it he's doing a great job at it the the values of of baseball teams have risen across the board it feels like especially since 2015 he you know he had to go through the pandemic stuff so i don't like rob manfred um it is but it's hard to deny that he's good at what he does and he's doing it well. So like he deserved the extension. It's just, it's frustrating that like that is the figurehead. You know what I mean? There was a, a long fluff piece last year on ESPN, June 29, 2022, I guess is the date. I did cover this on my uh, podcast last year, 
It's entitled Rob Manfred Wants You to Know. He doesn't hate baseball. He wants to save it. But it was written by Don Van Atta Jr., ESPN senior staff writer. I don't know if y'all got around to reading that last year, but it was one of the single worst pieces of journalism I've ever consumed <laughs> in my entire life. Just Yeesh. completely trying to whitewash everything about Rob Manfred. And this was like four months after the lockout. You know, that thing that like just happened oh. basically. And Rob Manfred was like continuously gaslighting fans about what was going on there. Just everything trying to whitewash everything about Manfred convincing that no actually he's a good guy he's trying to do what's good for the sport that's that's just not it that's not what his job is that's not at all what he's doing and I don't care if he says oh I remember going to baseball games as a kid and I love it I don't care he was a labor lawyer working on the side of capital <laughs> before being the yeah. commissioner of baseball like I know where he stands exactly he's he's made his position known very clearly just go back yeah. and look at his resume. Look at what he says. I mean, he headed uh, the biogenesis investigation for anybody that wants to go back that far and are aware of what a catastrophe no. that was for the league. I'm so, I'm so over steroids. But <laughs> your point is well taken. I don't, I don't mean to say to suggest that it's not. I just, I don't want to think about Rob Manfred if I could, if I can help it any more than I have to. There you go. Well, hey, then let's go ahead and move on from uh, from Rob Manfred. But we gotta we gotta talk about our own owner before we uh, talk. I about wish him. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> He's, the propane uh, king. <laughs> propane, propane accessories. John Sherman speaking. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm trying to think. So this was yesterday. So this was July 25th. Put out this open letter on Royal mm, Social Media. Letters. They got a little press release things like that it looks a lot longer on the like on the screenshots that they sent out on social media which is like i'm i'm just imagining that john sherman typed this in his notes app and then like took the <laughs> screenshot and put it on twitter or something and they said no 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 no, we got to put it on company letterhead at least they used a really but, uh, small font yes they did it was it was very hard to read so i love I've talked about how much I love the graphic and video crew over at uh, over at the Royals, but this was a this was a little bit of a miss, in my opinion. Um, I I feel like Max put it best on on the Royals Review Twitter, which you should go follow. Basically saying, John Sherman announces they will have an announcement in thirty days. Like that's <laughs> that's all it really was. Um, but he, he talks about. Dick Hauser and like the, the culture of Kansas City and KCI and the Royals are gratified to share that journey with our partners of 55 years. The Kansas City Chiefs, because we got to drag the, the Chiefs in to make sure that uh, the taxpayers are going to vote in favor of yep. a new stadium. Right. That's exactly what that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we're, we're we're all writers here. But before we get into some more of the economic stuff, we're all writers here. I think what frustrated me the most is looking at this from a lens of the inverted pyramid. Do you guys know what that is? Not familiar. I've heard so, of it, but I'm drawing a blank. So it's the um, it's the idea that when you're writing a story, you put the most important things at the top, the bulk of the story, the bulk of the information, and then things that can be whittled down, like me taken away from the story, you put towards the end. Does, does that make sense? So okay. in that in that vein, the idea is a reader should be able to click on a story and get the gist of what you're trying to say within the first two or three paragraphs. And if that's all they read, then they're good. 
You just have more supporting evidence at the bottom. Why do why do I have to go to the very last paragraph before he admits we hear you? I look forward to the chance to talking with so many of you like all all of the first half of this was just pandering to Kansas City residents. And it just did not read well. They released this like after the team was on what a a six game losing streak and they had just gotten swept by the Yankees. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't think this landed well with with anyone. It, It really didn't. Um, Greg, I'd, I'd like to get your your thoughts on this whole thing. And then, Jeremy, please. <laughs> for, for anybody that hasn't gotten around to reading this, I can sum it up in essentially three parts. It's a, a, a story about Nancy Hauser. It's completely unrelated to everything else in the open letter. We'll, we'll call it open letter. It's really more of a stadium advertisement, I guess. Uh, the second section is talking about cool things that have happened in Kansas city in the past decade, as if he or the Royals organization has any connection to any of that at all. And then vague platitudes and made up numbers about how beneficial this stadium is going to be to the city. That is basically all it is. And then also a second note, do you think John Sherman actually does his own grocery shopping? Yeah, right. (laughs) I would do uh, my own grocery shopping. (laughs) If yeah. I ever see John Sherman in the sun fresh nearby, I will be absolutely floored. Like I have <laughs> no chance. <laughs> I couldn't. I'm I'm trying to think if I if I ran into John Sherman, even though like I know what he looks like, I wouldn't know for sure enough to like approach him like, hello, Mr. Uh, <laughs> possibly owner of the Kansas City Royals. I don't know if it's you for sure or not, but at the K in the grocery checkout line at the gas station or around town where where around town is are you going to run into the normal Kansas City Royals fan at like a no. non team generated event you know there is a sentence here that I just want to read. We anticipate that the inaugural year of the new ballpark is expected to generate some $185 million more in regional economic <laughs> output than the K does today. A uh, citation needed. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Jeremy, I, I want your thoughts on this letter before we keep going. Yeah. So speaking of bald faced lies, mm-hmm. uh, well, he has a mustache. What Greg just said. Uh, <laughs> obviously, there's like an MLB. What'd you say, Jacob? I said he has a mustache, so he's not a bald face. <laughs> yeah. OK, so bold face then, perhaps. <laughs> uh, uh, now I've lost my train of thought. Oh, no. start over. <laughs> I did it. All the interrupting I do, you'd think I could take a little bit of it, but no. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So there's obviously like some sort of MLB playbook going on here because uh, we both we see both uh, Sherman and the other guy that we were just talking about, who's Manfred. Uh, We see them both be like, baseball is so good. And I grew up with baseball. and I love baseball, baseball, baseball. And then they, you know, do whatever it is they're going to do. Um and I mean, that's he, the reason it's all fluff at the beginning is because he knows if he leads with, yeah, by the way, still want to build a new stadium. Yeah. By the way, still don't have any new information for you um, that everyone's going to just like explode at him. And and he he decided, well, if I if I invoke Dick Hauser's name, they'll they'll like me. And if I talk about Bo Jackson and the bobbleheads, they'll like no. No, we saw through that, or at least I did. I imagine a lot of people did. I looked at the comments on the open letter. They were not positive. 
there were very there were there were a couple people. There's always a couple people uh, who are like bootlickers, but uh, not everybody. Most of the people were like, "What are you? No, stop it!" And that's the that's the part that I am just completely fed up with. Is ever since his initial announcement that he wanted a stadium, which yeah, duh. Uh, he's he's come and told us, "Hey, I still want to build a new stadium." Don't have any details for you yet. I'll get those to you soon. Hey, I want to build a new stadium. Still don't have any details for you mm-hmm. yet. I'll get those to you soon. Hey, I want to build a stadium. It's going to be great for you. I still don't have any details on what it is or where it is or how it's going to be built. I'll get those for you. Hey, I want to build a new stadium. I'm going to put in a bunch of money, but it's not all the money. I definitely need you to pay for part of it, but I don't have any details for you yet. I'll get those for you soon. <laughs> and and it's just, it blows my mind. How can he even pretend to give us economic impact numbers when he doesn't know where he's putting the stadium yet? Exactly. If you don't know where the stadium is, if you don't know what it looks like, if you don't know whether you're doing vertical or horizontal real estate, how can you know? How can you even guess what the impacts are going to be? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a great point. Putting aside the fact that literally every study Every example we have, as Greg pointed out rightfully, says that stadiums do not help economies. They do not help local economies. They don't. They just don't. And I'm I'm so tired of this guy who just apparently just really wants to be in the news a lot because as we said a lot of people don't know who their owners are he's out here like hey uh if you donate enough money to charity you can come sit in a, a, a suite with me and have a drink and watch a game and and then he's out here like i gotta put out a press release or have a press conference every couple of weeks so everyone remembers i still want to build a stadium like what you can just sit back quietly and say nothing and your stadium will be just as likely to go through, but I won't have to listen to you and I'll be much happier. You would have go to ahead, pay Jim. me go to ahead, sit go. with John Sherman and watch a game. Like, why would you want to spend time with that guy? <laughs> well, I mean, you would, you would have to be paid to stay silent, Greg. I'm sure you would, uh, you would love to have like yeah. 30 minute a 30 minute sit down with John Sherman and give him oh, your yeah. thoughts. It'd be a pleasure. I definitely tried to rally my ex-followers to get them to donate enough money so that I could go confront John Sherman on their behalf. <laughs> it did not work. It's uh, yeah, you. It X sounds like a variable, man. Like you don't. I have X followers. You know what I mean? Yeah. What are we talking Find about? Well, it's at twitter.com. <laughs> so this is, and we're we're going to shout out another um, local Royals writer, but Craig Brown over at uh, into the fountains. He, I was very sad when he wasn't putting out a whole lot of content to start off the season. He had some stuff going on. So that explains why this guy put out a very, very lengthy piece on the open letter. And yeah, how he comes out it when it was, counts. yeah, it was. And you know what? Unlike the role, unlike John Sherman, uh, Mr. Craig had had citations. All right. He, he had yeah. sources. <laughs> and uh, and and we love that. And not only he calls out the Royals, the star, um, local, like local TV stations, the whole shebang. And it's just like, you know what? Ain't wrong. He he brought something back to uh, to the forefront of my mind. I forgot that. One of the big reasons behind the structural issues of Kaufman was this concrete cancer. (laughs) And I do want to 
Let's see. Where is... Okay, so Mark Donovan, the Chiefs guy talking about their stadium stuff, said that Arrowhead is structurally pretty sound. And then this is what Craig said. Weird, given that both stadiums were constructed at the same time by the same companies using the same materials at the same location, you would maybe think that if one stadium is spalling, the other one would have the same issues. <laughs> so, guys, I'm a this this open letter is is bringing back some things that I had forgotten about previously. <laughs> And you know what? There's probably more of a debate that needs to happen about if we need a new stadium at all. I just, I, I just want some sources, man. Definition of debate. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I need, I need some. I yeah, pun intended. I need some concrete evidence. Got him. Get it? Oh. <laughs> um, especially when like local county folks are saying, "Hey, no, it's the Kaufman's fine." actually it's satisfactory and it's in their best interest to say that it's not if it's not everyone yeah. talks about how it's in the royals best interest to say that it isn't and and the the county has no uh no stake the county does have a stake if there's a problem with it they can tell the royals hey fix this or we'll stop giving you money exactly. so they and they they didn't have a problem you'd think if there was a problem they would be telling the royals hey you need to fix this and two, two more things that Craig brought up. One, um, the numbers that Sherman referenced about like the the jobs and the economic impact and things like that, they weren't they aren't new jobs. Like he's not creating any new jobs. It's he's just going to be helping like keep jobs in Kansas City. Um, and even like all the studies have shown that whatever money is coming from a new stadium is not going to help the average citizen is going to go to the owners. And that's, that's just a fact. Also the numbers it's that he sad. put out there, like the new jobs and the labor income and stuff that was specified for the three plus years it will take to build it. That is just related to the stadium construction. It's not even actually over the life of the thing. And then beyond that, yeah. it's just, it will spur meaningful development around the ballpark. Again, citation needed. Like there is there's meaningless platitudes. It's all it really is. And that's so everyone will say, hey, look, look at San Diego. Look how when they built Petco Park, look how different downtown looked. OK, but visual is not substantial. Does that make sense? Like it doesn't mean that there are people in those buildings working and living and that it's actually conducive for those citizens. It is visual. Sure. But I I Still, I just need concrete evidence, man. I just want to hear. I want some studies. I want some reports and I want them from various people. I don't want them from, you know, onesie twosie people that the team could be swaying one way or another. The team is I, definitely swaying them. They're paying for them. That is yeah, that's, exactly. I mean, that's automatic bias. Yeah, they are working for them. The people who say that this concrete cancer is going on. They came working for the Royals. They're not an independent party in all this. So what are they going to say? They're going to say what their employer in this case wants to hear. That's all that is. I have experience oh. with uh, with the industry doing concrete work, and so I'll do an investigation myself next time I'm there. Thank you, Grass. <laughs> do it. I don't actually know how to test for concrete cancer, but I'll figure it out on the spot. <laughs> 
I mean, you you might need like a MRI or I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm more I, experienced I, I with uh, I'm more experienced with concrete while it's still wet. But you know, I've I've done some <laughs> testing on the dried and finished product as well. Okay, well, we we will be waiting on your report, Greg. Um, unfortunately, I think you are uh, you do have some bias in the in the situation. <laughs> no, the real problem is I don't know when the next time I'm even going to go to the ballpark is because like. Like kind of what I said about if I was to see John Sherman, like they would have to pay me to come to the ballpark at this point. Like I have no desire to go watch the Royals play at that ballpark right now. You're not a masochist. Exactly right. I don't need to go see them lose. Exactly. It was, I I remember growing up hearing the stories about the K-State Wildcats when their football team was terrible. Like they were giving out free tickets to local high school students, um, and it was like they would give you food concession credits if you came to certain games and things like that. Like, I think the Royals need to start doing that. Just at, at a certain point, have some sort of an open gate night and just try to make some money off concessions because he ain't doing it selling tickets. I, I still maintain AAA or um, minor league baseball is just an excellent deal for a lot of it people is. out there. Uh, you know, I saw Omaha was at one point was doing tickets for uh, you could you if you brought three canned goods to donate to charity, you were you were in the stadium. That was it. Like donate to charity and watch a ball game. Cool. Exactly. Uh, I know the Asheville tourists around here where I live. Twenty dollars gets you a dugout suite and uh, an unlimited all you can eat food situation like <laughs> Why would I? And parking is going to be a heck of a lot cheaper, too. Mm-hmm. So why the heck am I going to go to a Royals game? Yeah, KC yeah. Monarchs do $4 beer on Thursday nights. So, I mean, that's there all I really need to get out to the ballpark. I will. Yeah, I'll tell you that. The uh, the local collegiate summer league, whenever they have their dollar beer night, a dollar for like a 12 ounce beer. It, that place is packed. Jeez, I it need one of those. Rowdy. It is. Listen, it's I don't know how to take it when they're when they hang their hat on. Nate Eaton was like their their most recent MLB person. Um, but hey, it's it's still baseball. I still enjoy it. That's a quick uh, uh, thing. As a quick sort of tangent, uh, some old friends that are currently playing for the KC Monarchs, Brandon Finnegan is on the roster. They're listed as both a left hand yeah. pitcher and pitching coach. So I guess he's a player coach. <laughs> Uh, Grant Gavin, also a former Royals farmhand, he is on the roster there. And then I don't know any of these other guys. So, though, there's a few. Odubel Herrera, actually, I guess. He didn't play for the Royals at any point, but former major leaguer, he's on the roster. Aaron Whitefield, uh, Team Australia legend for anybody that watched the World Baseball Classic, he's also there. I would have loved to see the Savannah Bananas come to Kansas City. They did. I saw – I know, I – Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have been there because just seeing the the clips and hearing about the experience from people, it sounded amazing. And like, that's what's good for baseball. I know it's not pure baseball, but it's still fun. People just want to go out and have fun nowadays. You know well, what the I mean? Dema- the demand for those tickets was crazy. Like they sold out yeah. so fast. And they have a waiting list. Me, oh, you should go to a Royals game because it's just fun to be out at the ballpark. There's a lot of ballparks you could go to for a lot less money and a lot less frustration. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, guys. Hey, listen, we, we've been going on, on this tangent for a little too long. We've been dunking on the uh on MOB ownership as a whole. Hell so yeah. uh let's 
let's go ahead and take a quick ad break. We'll be talking about Carlos Hernandez and John Heasley on the other side of this. Plus, we got some Royals review for you. Stay tuned. And we are back here on the Royals Rundown podcast. Jake Milham with Jeremy Greco and Greg Walker. So, Jeremy, we were uh, we're getting ready for the show, and you sent me over a very good piece from Kevin O'Brien, a, a good friend of mine, talking about the uh, the Carlos Hernandez trade deadline dilemma is is how he put it. Um, I I don't want to. I don't want to set the table too much for you here, but I would like to I would like for you to give the listeners kind of a gist of what you took away from that article, if you could. So, I mean, the the big thing is Carlos Hernandez is 26 years old. This is a 26 year old season. He has a three point seven eight ERA out of the bullpen. He is striking out 10 guys, more than 10 guys per nine innings. His walks are as low as they've ever been. His home runs are as low as they've ever been. Um, and, and basically he's, he's, he is an example that the pitching coach, pitching coaching staff could point to and say, look, we helped the guy. <laughs> we helped someone please believe in us. Um, and, and I'm sure that they are pointing to him, but he is also a guy that, uh, you know, he's been in the big leagues for a few years or kind of up and down, uh, since he was 23, this is his fourth season. Um, and he is going to get expensive soon. He is going to start demanding money from uh, arbitration. And so it's probably uh, in the Royals' best interest. We talked in the past and we'll continue to talk about how the Royals have historically been slow to trade guys. They wait too long and and then they're not as valuable. Scott Barlow is an example of that, though he may still be more valuable than we were talking about last time we were here. I looked at uh, the guy, Pierce Johnson, I think, that the Rockies traded for, for the two top 30 prospects. He's mm-hmm. He's not been good for a while. He was not good for the Padres last year either. So it's not just Colorado that screwed him up. But back to Hernandez. Hernandez has been pretty dang good this year. One of the few bright spots for the Royals. And if you want to show that you are prepared to make the hard choices to be more transactional, now is probably the time to trade him. Go ahead and see if you can get yourself a couple, two, three good prospects for him and and see where you can move from there. Uh, it should be, it seems to me, doable. And, and I agree with that. Sorry, I have my mic on mute. Um, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin goes on to and goes on to detail the fact that the Royals do have some relievers that are similar to Hernandez's profile waiting in the wings. Um, we know Will Will Klein. He didn't do great in the Futures game. I understand that. That's not a not a good last memory for a lot of fans to have. But he is still producing in Omaha, and he's still a very very good reliever for the Storm Chasers. Plus, uh, McMillan, who has just been shooting up through the farm system, he started out the season in Low A Columbia. He's already at Double A Northwest Arkansas. Like that's. That is what two promotions? Yeah, it's two promotions right there in one year. I just hope he's not shooting up, just shooting up. Jeremy, that would be bad. I know there's a lot of stuff going on down in Arkansas. Okay, I don't, I don't know what um, that demographic partakes in, but I will say I've been watching Justified, so I know that people (laughs) in that region might be doing things like that. I would hope not, though. 
but McMillan I was talking about steroids, just to be clear. Jer- okay, well, we are in two very different spots, Jeremy. I, am I haven't watched keep- Justified. Maybe that's maybe my mind is clear of that because of that. Oh, probably so. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep it moving, though. McMillan, probably not going to make his MLB debut this year, but definitely a guy to watch for next year. To, to your point, Jeremy, about Carlos Hernandez being a valuable reliever overall, there... It's frustrating to try and grade the Royals relievers against other folks because, you know, sometimes the game is just gone. They're not in high leverage situations because no matter what they do, the game is not going to get better. So that can skew their numbers a little bit. But I hopped on hopped on fan graphs. Thankfully, it did not uh, crash my computer this time, Jeremy. So that's uh, that's always good. good. And there's a stat that I want Brian Henry to talk to me about one of these days. It is WPA over LI, which I, I understand that's a, that's a little bit of math. Basically, all you need to know is that is context neutral wins. Um, so it's, you know, it's taken the, the win percentage added and the leverage in it and it's dividing it. And amongst all relievers, Carlos Hernandez ranks 33rd which is which is pretty good. That's the highest context neutral win ranking out of all Royals relievers, even a role as Chapman. So Carlos Hernandez is doing what he can do. <laughs> you know, he has improved. He has done better. Um, Greg, I, I want to get your thoughts on this real fast. Do you do you think that the Royals should st- strike now? Yeah. Should they strike now and trade away Hernandez while he has value, or should they hold on to him for the foreseeable future? It's worth kicking the tires in a deal, depending on what sort of return you can get, obviously. But just the question of his value, I think, is really interesting because he's been good for 50 innings. Like, that's basically his entire track record of being good as a major leaguer because prior to this year, he wasn't. I've been saying he should be a reliever for years now. And they finally moved him into that role, and he's found some success. Part of it is he's throwing a lot more strikes, and his velo is up since he's pitching, you know, in shorter stints. So that makes a big difference. Again, though, relievers are so volatile, and the track record here is so short. I just have no idea what his value is. So, like, even though you can say, you know, he's got, you know, four more years of control or whatever, a team should give up a lot for that. I mean, maybe. Sure, this was also a guy that had, like, pretty major strike throwing issues for most of his career prior to this and like a very hittable fastball and a curveball that he was using way too much. That wasn't a very good pitch. He could turn back into a pumpkin at any time. And I think that like basically every other team is going to be aware of that. And so that's baked into his value at some point. Obviously I think it's worth, it's worth going out there and see what you can get for him. But to, to your point, it might be just better to hold on to him given how much team control he has left and see if he can still be a future piece. But I don't know. It's it's hard to say with a guy like him because just especially with him, like I, I see him as even being more volatile than most relievers are. Okay. Okay. My counter argument to that is that I think we've seen the past few years, teams are absolutely willing to pay for guys who have just been good this year. Uh, off the top of my head, I want to say his name is Sean Green. Uh, but it's something Green from Detroit got traded to Atlanta last year, two years ago. Uh, for for a top pitching prospect. So I think that, uh, and, and obviously we're seeing top 30 guys go for, for Pierce Johnson, who's, who's nobody, <laughs> uh, over in Colorado. So I, 
I feel like the value is there, even though, and and to, you talk about how volatile he is. Yeah, to me, that means let's move him now before <laughs> he explodes. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. Um, we'll, we'll just have to keep tabs on it because I'm not, I know Royals fans are getting a little frustrated that the Royals aren't making moves right now. Uh, while we were recording this podcast, the Dodgers traded away Noah Syndergaard to the Guardians for Ahmed Rosario. So, you know, not very often <laughs> you see a, a one-for-one Major League player swap like that. But I, I think the Royals fan base just needs some deals. Like, we just need some moves. Just something to talk about to look forward to greg you're, you're chuckling how did i miss that, that trade that's such a stupid trade they've both been <laughs> terrible this year <laughs> i know right no that's like no that's like 2021 when the braves and the guardians made a straight up trade pablo sandoval for eddie rosario and then rosario ended up being amazing in the postseason for atlanta out of nowhere like that's the same deal, I guess. So I guess Ahmed Rosario is going to be the best player in the postseason for the Dodgers this year. But yeah, at the, the time, thing, it was like, both these guys suck. What's the point of this trade? The one I remember is Jeremy Guthrie for Jonathan Sanchez. They were both <laughs> awful. And then Jeremy Guthrie came to Kansas City and was good for several years. That's pretty true. Sure, I'm pretty sure both Syndergaard and Rosario are free agents after this year. Yeah. Okay. That that makes sense then. Oh, Oh man, guys! I but to am, anybody I, wanting the roles to make trades, so it's like who? Like I, don't, I guess you, yeah. could, you could trade Scott Barlow, I guess. But beyond that, it's like, yeah, do you trade Carlos Hernandez? Beyond that, I have no idea. Unless you're just admitting like this core isn't going to work, you just start shipping out core pieces. And that's I, I think it's time to admit that. I mean, they're playing under 300. No, I agree. Like, this team is terrible. They're not going to be good anytime soon. But still, I just have a hard time seeing them just being able to stomach, like, trading Brady Singer, for example. Right. And that's what I remember um, one of my followers put to me. So out of, like, MJ Melendez, Prado, Isbell, and Singer, out of those four, how many will be with the team in spring training next year? And it's the fact it's not the fact that those are like going to get a high return for a trade, but how many of those players should they punt on and just get something in return and try to what's the word polish the edges of this core? Because like if if they start trading away like Bobby Wood Jr. and Vinny Pasquantino, even though he's injured, like that just signals to me that they that this core isn't going to work at all. No members on this Royal squad will be on the contending on the next contending Royals team, <laughs> which might not be for another 15 years or so. But it's I'm th- there's just so many fringe players that would would not be in prominent roles on other teams that are in Kansas City. And that's probably why we overvalue them a little bit. And we're expecting like, oh, Brady Singer will get a notable return. I don't know if he will. He's a two-pitch guy who uh who might just end up being a bullpen arm for some other for some other contending team. Did, does that make sense, Greg? I feel like I'm rambling on a little bit here. Out of those four guys you had listed, I think Singer is the only one that has like legitimate trade value because he actually has a track record of being a successful major league starting pitcher. And as you mentioned, teams will pay for pitching, especially at the deadline. With the other guys, like, what the hell can you expect to get for Prado at the deadline? Like, can you really expect a <laughs> decent return for MJ Melendez, a man without a position that's been a below-average hitter his entire big league career? 
Like, can you get anything meaningful for Kyle Isbell, who's never hit for any extended stretch in his major league career? Like, I don't think any of those three guys will bring back anything meaningful in a trade at all, quite honestly. Fair enough. Fair Kyle enough. Isbell might not make the big league roster next year, but it might be because he got cut, not because he got traded. <laughs> Listen, I would – we we talked about that last time, Jeremy. I, uh, I don't like seeing people lose their jobs, but uh, I wouldn't be – I wouldn't be too sad to see Kyle Isbell no longer in a Royals uniform. Somebody will pick him up and, and see if they can fix him. I mean, it's not like he'll be unemployed yeah. for long. He but could yeah. be a fourth outfielder and contending team. Like, he's a good enough defensive outfielder and base dealer to fill a bench role, but, like, he probably doesn't have a future as a starter anywhere. I mean, no. Brett Phillips is out on a major league team right now. He's playing for the Angels. Is he really? Yeah. Man. That is, I, you know what? That's just one of those guys who he is, he is always somewhere around the league. You know, who's not somewhere around the league? Hunter Dozier. Ooh. But Hey, well, I mean, if, <laughs> if you can go get it in a position up the middle defensively, then you'll find a role somewhere. Even if it's just a bench role, if you're Hunter Dozier or on a spoiler, MJ Melendez near a guy without a position that hasn't hit. Yeah. It's a lot harder to justify keeping on a roster. That's true. That's true. Hey Jeremy, we uh, we might have jinxed the other guy that you wanted to talk about. Uh, you wanted <laughs> yeah. to talk about Jonathan Heasley, and then uh, a couple hours ago, he kind of uh, laid a big old egg for a uh, for an outing against the Guardians. Um, let's I don't take into consideration what he did today because I feel like there's a lot of good things that he was doing in the month of July that we should be talking about. You know, bad outings are going to happen. Yeah. Um, two home runs is not a regular occurrence for a reliever. Uh, I will tell you right now, Kelvin Herrera once gave up three back to back to back home runs in a game. <laughs> Oof. And look how he turned out. So yeah. let's not read too much into one appearance. But yeah, I've been very pleasantly surprised with John Heasley since he got promoted. Prior to today, he had a 2.79 ERA and an even better 2.04 FIP. Um, he had not walked a single person or given up a home run. Obviously that changed today, uh, but he, he wasn't striking out a ton of guys, but if you're not walking anyone, you can get somewhere with a low strikeout rate. Um, just his velocity has been up and he's, he's another guy that I think the coaching staff can point to and say, we, we can fix guys. Now, apparently they can only fix guys by taking ineffective starters and putting them in the bullpen, which is a way that teams have been able to fix pitchers uh, since forever. But, you know, um, it's 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 something to be proud of, I guess. But, yeah, so John Heasley, I don't think he – now, he is a guy that I will – everything Greg had to say negative about uh, Carlos Hernandez's trade value I think goes double for John Heasley. He's done, he did this for nine and two-thirds innings, and then he had a bad outing today in an inning of the third. Um, he's not done this nearly long enough to have any trade value, but he is definitely a guy – um, that Royals fans should keep an eye on going forward and see if he can turn into an effective back-end reliever uh, after being a poor starter. And fingers crossed, being a reliever will help him get over his puking problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he won't be living that one down any uh, anytime soon. Well, hey guys, we are uh, we are running fairly long on today's episode, so why don't we go ahead and do some Royals review reviews to get on out of here. Jeremy, I would like you to go first on today. 
All right. So I've already written a couple articles about this while I was still performing my protest against <laughs> the team. Uh, but I'm going to talk about today Final Fantasy 16, which is, I won't say a return to form for the series because it's obviously a very different game, but that in itself is kind of a return to form because Final Fantasy has actually always kind of been uh, innovating and changing their gameplay stuff as, as much as possible. And so that's kind of a, a trademark of the series, though people, I think, don't realize it. Um, it is a truly very good game. It falls short of being excellent. In fact, uh, as I've described, one of my favorite ways to quick describe the game is to say it's a good so game that you it's a game so good that you wish it was better. Um, and and that's basically where it is. You can the the things that are good about it are really quick and easy to say. The combat is great. The music is terrific. The graphics are the best I've ever seen on a console for sure. I don't game on PC, so I can't talk about that very much. But on a console, absolutely tops. Um, and and it's just a lot of fun to play. The, the stuff that's bad with it takes an hour or more to describe, and so I won't go into that too deeply. But the when you see reviews out there, <laughs> what you see so often is, this is a really good game. Now let me spend an, an hour or a thousand words or whatever telling you what sucks about it. And there are, there are definite problems with it, but it is a huge improvement over the um, unfortunately incomplete Final Fantasy 15. And this is at least a completed game. Um, and it's it performs much better than AAA games have in recent years. Uh, upon initial release it doesn't have really any bugs in it at all um I, i've played through it one and a half times already and i haven't run into any um so it's definitely a game that i can recommend for you if you play the demo or you watch a trailer and it appeals to you at all um and and i hope everyone will check it out and give it a chance well thank you very much for that jeremy greg what do you got for a review today there's a lot that I could review from this uh, trip that I took to Chicago this past weekend, but since this is a baseball podcast, I will review uh, Wrigley Field, my first game out there watching the Cubs take on the St. Louis Cardinals, so big rivalry day because uh, I know that all Cardinals fans really consider the Cubs more of rivals than the Royals, so probably because they play each other more often, so they might have something to do with it, but anyway... We were treated to an excellent game. Cubs ended up winning 4-3, to three, so I'm glad I was there for a home win. I usually try to get a hat from every ballpark that I go to, and I was very lucky that when I walked in, they were doing a hat giveaway, and it was this peach-colored flat-brim hat that has, like, the Cub, the actual bear on the front of it. And I was like, I could not have asked for a better hat. Like, this is That's like, awesome. precisely up my alley, so – did not have to visit the official team store and spend $35 in a hat. So that was very nice. Sat in the right field bleachers because I wanted to get the proper experience at Wrigley. And so I was told the bleachers are the place to go because that's where the hooligans hang out. And so it was a lot rowdier there than it was in the rest of the crowd. We got a very good cup snake going, definitely thousands of dollars worth of beer in that crowd. So they won't let you start a cup snake in front of the fourth row of bleachers because they don't want to risk any of them falling out of the field by accident. And so we had one going from the fourth row of the bleachers pretty much all the way to the top of our section. We had a better one than left field. So very important because right field and left field are in an eternal competition for superiority. <laughs> so uh, Miles Mastroboni hit his first career home run in that game and it landed about four rows behind me and for like two seconds off the bat i was like oh i might have a play on this took off my hat to try to catch it but then it was way back there so 
unfortunately couldn't snag that in to uh, you know make a trade for a guy's first career home run ball, which would have been a pretty cool thing to do. But anyway, uh, Wrigley Field, a fantastic place to take into a ball to take in a game. Like I have it tied with Coors Field at the top of my uh, ballpark power rankings for most fun that I've been to. So I uh, would definitely recommend a game there. Awesome. Thank you, Greg. Sounds like you had a, a great time out there at Wrigley Field. Hey, just uh, I got to ask, how's uh, what's Wrigleyville? I've been hearing that a lot with uh, is that just like the surrounding area? Yeah, it's just the surrounding area with apartments that nobody can afford and a lot of bars and restaurants and stuff. I did go to a bar prior to going to Wrigley Field, which is called Sluggers, and they have batting cages upstairs in their bar. So I thought that was a pretty neat little thing to have. I could tell immediately if somebody had played ball or not just by the way they take one swing in the cage. <laughs> That's uh, You know what? That doesn't sound like a bad time at all for uh, for a night out. Um, I don't have a long review this week. I'm just going to be reviewing dogs because I, uh, I I absolutely love my dogs. We've been, um, we've been doing some more training and trying to teach them how to use those talking buttons um, <laughs> the, past, uh, the past couple weeks, and my our lab is catching on to it. He has been doing a great job with it, and it just amazes me how smart animals can be when uh when we give them the tools to be so so but hey thank you greg thank you jeremy for joining the show tonight um, i know it's a it's a wednesday night we got the the rest of the work week ahead but please go follow both jeremy and greg on x their handles are down in the podcast description so uh, you don't have to go searching too bad for it. Guys, do we have any uh, any final words, comments before we get on out of here? What's X? All right. No, <laughs> we, we already went to the scratch. Gosh dang it, man. All right. Hey, once one more time, for all the best Royals news and analysis, please go check out RoyalsReview.com. We will keep you up to date on there, especially ahead of the trade deadline. We are less than one calendar week away from the trade deadline itself. But from everyone over here at the podcast, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, go Royals. (laughs) 